This is Adam Barr. Welcome to the Organic Outreach Podcast. Together, we're learning how to influence our world and share our faith naturally. We do this by providing resources, leading cohorts, and equipping leaders through conferences and intensives. At Organic Outreach International, we believe every Christian plays a part in fulfilling the Great Commission, and this podcast can help you do that. One of the most amazing things about the church is how a single organism can take on so many different forms. The gospel of Jesus can can cross any border, it can, can connect to any people group, it can penetrate any heart. This episode, we're crossing over to New Zealand for a conversation with Nick Field. Nick and I met at an organic outreach event in 2018. He's a great leader with a powerful testimony, so give this a listen. Well, I'm sitting here with Nick Field. Nick, it's great to have you here. Great to be here, Adam. Thank you so much for uh, making time for this. We're in the midst of a busy uh, few days here at the Organic Outreach Weekend Conference we had, and now we're doing an intensive here. And you've been through you've been through these before, um, but uh, I, I appreciate you taking time to sit down with me and talk a little bit about your your life and ministry. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your church? Give us maybe a thumbnail sketch. Tell us about your church, a little bit about its location, about its history, and uh, just to give people a sense of where you're coming from. Sure. I uh, serve uh, at a church called The Street Church in Wellington, uh, which is in New Zealand, and that's the capital city uh, of our nation. It started actually 100 years ago this year, and it started as a mission hall uh, in Tory Street, which back 100 years ago was the slums of Wellington. It was where the opium addicts were and the drunks were, and it was pretty well right next to the police station. And uh, back in those days, legend has it, that uh, the members of the church used to intercept the police as they were taking the drunks to the, st- to the lock-up for the night. They'd uh, say, look, we'll take the drunks, they'd take them, they'd sober them up, t- uh, tell them about Jesus, uh, get them saved, and uh, see incredible <laughs> transformation. So that, that, was, that was really, that's, that's our heart, that's our history. And it's moved from there, it, as churches do, they, they come and go. It, it, uh, in the 1950s, it moved location to Elizabeth Street, and uh, that's, that was literally probably about half a mile away from Tory Street. And it got into the whole radio broadcast thing of New Zealand around that time, was involved in a whole lot of mission organisations and, and work. And then um, we, my wife and I, we stepped into leadership uh, in the 90s. Uh, as churches do, they, they go through good times and they go through bad times. Sure. And uh, we, were, we were there and God really called us to, to roll our sleeves up and get stuck in. Uh, and the church was, it was in a, it was in a rough spot. And uh, the Lord blessed um, what we were doing and uh, we've gone from there. So uh, a rough spot. Why don't you why, unpack that for me a little bit? It sounds like the church had had started with this a strong mission to to reach out to to the down and out to mm-hmm. the, the downtrodden. Uh, it sounds like it may have did it go through some se- a season of you know relative success, maybe prominence, and where when so describe that that rough spot that it was in. What were the what were the specific challenges facing the church when you guys walked in? I think it had lost vision. Oh. And it was um, it had it had gone through the you know the big stage and a lot of things had happened. It was probably more the language that you were hearing in the church at that time was back when. So we were always yeah you know, looking backwards to actually get inspired. 
uh, and therefore, you know, Sunday attendance wasn't great. Um, there was no sense of forward momentum or no sense of direction. There was disunity and, you know, there was arguments and, and really, you know, almost time of judges, you know, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Wow. Um, so that was really the environment that we were in at that point. So sometimes it seems like sometimes so many in I've seen this in so many churches when you're when you're looking at a revitalization situation you know where you have to come into a church that's that's shrunk down sometimes it seems like I mean I, I th- and, and it can go both ways sometimes the history of a church can be your best ally and sometimes it can be your biggest enemy do you know mm. what I mean mm. I and I think it's been both oh, exactly I think the I think in terms of the worst enemy, that actually, no, to be honest, that was relatively straightforward. I, I suppose we we just said, well, Lord, there's got to be a vision. And that really captivated my wife, Sarah, and my heart. And to be honest, it was a little selfish to start with. We didn't want to raise our kids in a, in a dead church. <laughs> and uh, so we thought, well, if we can we can pour into the next generation and the half generation of leaders, then they'll pour into our kids. And, oh, man, we saw the blessing of that over over the years for their family. What what did you capture from the church's original DNA? I mean, what what stuck with you that you were able to to look at? Because for me, and I learned this uh, from Kevin, it's it's like when you walk into a church that's been there before you were there, you've Mm got to find something to bless from the history of that church. What was it that you guys found to say, this is awesome? Yeah, I'd, I'd say three things. Firstly, the centrality of Jesus. Yep. And we never lost it. Yep. And while it got funky at times, we never lost it. Um, the priority of teaching the Word of God. And that was something that, again, while it got a little messy, we reclaimed it and we said, no, that's who we are. And then thirdly, the mission, which yep. is which is to reach out. And it's to reach out to to the ends of the earth and to the people around you. And, of course, that whole idea of you know, reaching, as you said, out to the downtrodden. Um, recently, we've there's an organization called Christians Against Poverty, and I'm, I'm actually on the New Zealand national board of that. And it's, it's literally walking into the homes of people who are in un- unmanageable debt and helping them find a way to get out, advocating for them against their creditors and presenting them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's, <laughs> that's really been one of the linchpin things that we do and it's just been incredible well financial crisis it just it's it sweeps across so many communities and yeah. it's at i know we're in our setting that's one of those those major things if you can help someone there you've you've turned a a, a culture around if you can yeah. do that so you um you, you know news we're, you know uh, most of our listeners are are in probably north america and um we we've experienced in different pockets i mean america's a big country so you've got different to one extent or another places in America experience what's a post-Christian phase, you know, uh, a lot of the assumptions that you could have 50 years ago that, uh, I mean, America's never been a Christian nation, but there was the, there was shared vocabulary and shared understanding in that. What's it like where you are? What's Wellington like? I mean, are you experiencing some of those the, the issues of a, of a post-Christian secular culture sort of thing? Where, where are you guys with that? Yeah, very much so. Um, our, in fact, our nation was declared by the leaders uh, a couple of governments ago that we are a secular nation. Wow. Um, we we're very. This Christianity is 
tolerated at best by people, um, though you know, in some sectors they just aren't interested. It's common for people to walk into church and for us to say, well, you know, have you ever read a Bible? I say, well, I wouldn't even know what one is. Really? Um, there are children growing up now in schools who have no idea what Christmas is about, no idea what Easter is about. They just, they're just irrelevant in terms of the Christian message that comes out of that. So those are the sort of people we have. Um, Wellington's a university town, and uh, so we have a number of uh, universities. I think you call them um, colleges. Uh, yeah, so that's your yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. Your, your 18 yep. to 23 year yep. old yep. age group. And uh, we'll have you know, students coming through Wellington, and they'll come and talk to us and say, Well, you know, I went to a lecture, and my lecturer said, Well, one of my goals this year is to destroy your Christian faith. So really? yeah, those are comments that, that can be made and that are heard made. Um, so that, that gives you some sense of, yeah. Of what goes on in our, in our society? Sure. Um, you and I, when we when we first met, we were talking about the, a process where your own heart kind of was reignited for outreach. Can you talk a little bit about that? That was that was inspirational for me. Yeah, one of the frustrations that I've had myself is I'm not a natural evangelist. Um, my wife is. And so we'll walk into a situation, I'll try and find a quiet corner, and she'll be out there talking to people. <laughs> and uh, I had thought that, well, I know I can lead, I know I can teach, um, and I've got to do everything I can. So my, my stories around outreach for probably the first Oh, 15 or 16 years of my leadership at the street were more around the encouragement of, hey, I'm trying but failing, and so you can try too. Right. Um, about five years ago, uh, I met Kevin, and uh, Kevin Harney, and uh, I sat down with him actually at his place, and we had one of those awkward conversations where I knew he was going to ask me about my <laughs> outreach ability, so I, I actually just cut to the chase and I said, look, Kevin, can we just get this over with? I'm a terrible evangelist. Can you help me? Um, <laughs> so... Isn't that hard to do as a pastor? Because uh, Kevin, as a natural evangelist, he 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 gets it. He he can. And you watch, especially when you watch him do it. It just seems like it happens for him. Uh, it's so frustrating. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you sat down with him and you made this confession. Yeah, I did. And I just before that, I'd been on a flight actually over to Asia, and I'd got his three books on outreach, and mm-hmm. I had uh, my teaching pastor with me. And I, I literally read all three on the flight and oh, just wow. read them, took the notes, flicked them on to him. And I said, look, I said, I, I've got to get this into my heart. And mm. so we then went through the um, outreach intensive and um, Simon Gill, my teaching pastor, then he became our outreach influence team leader and he held me accountable. Wow. And I needed that. Yeah. I needed that regular accountability to say, how am I going? How's my prayer time going? How's my heart going for people in my life? Well, the incredible thing happened. My heart began to change. Mm. Um, and it wasn't so much that I wasn't interested in it. It's just I didn't know what to do with that. Yeah. And so but now I'm, I'm in the place now where like I've, I'm making connections with neighbors like I've never made in my life before. Uh, and I'm seeing people in my life for many years who there's been no real movement forward in terms of outreach. Uh, now there is. And um, call it a coincidence, don't believe in those. I think God's at work. I'm praying. I'm, in, I'm proactive. And I'm seeing God actually lead me uh, in terms of outreach. Hmm. So it flows from the heart. Absolutely. Yeah. And and so much if we want to experience a changed heart, it's about being in the presence of God. Yeah. Right? Which is that's one of the things I love about about these books and about the, the organic outreach kind of universe of thought. It's it says 
this this is before it's some kind of program or it's you know go out and on these nights go out and knock on doors and here's what you here's the five ten things you say to people it starts with you know are you growing closer to jesus because if you're growing closer to jesus then you should be more in love with the things that jesus loves what blows me away is um like I've had I've you know I've had my own home for I've been married twenty nine years so we've had our own home for twenty nine years yeah I've had neighbours for twenty nine years something's changed in what happens with me and my neighbours really in the past few years and the only thing which has been different is that I've been more proactive and more praying and more sensing the heart of God and the love for the world and love for the lost. Which has really been sparked out of this journey through organic outreach. It's almost like uh, the Lord means what He says. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, that's one of the things that's been striking me as as I've been, uh, you know, just whenever you come to a weekend like this or to an intensive like this, you're always it always for me at least it always ignites it, you mm. know sparks me up even higher, and uh, and just when He says if you seek you'll find if you knock the door will be answered to you. Um, which of you being, you know, you're, you're, we're evil, sinful people, you know, yet if our kid asks for a fish, we won't give him a snake. If he asks for bread, we won't give him a stone. How much more will the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. give the, how much more than will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And it, it takes, it takes a spirit breathing life to yeah. be an outreach kind of person. I mean, that's awesome, so brother. So that, that has ignited something for you over the last five years. I love that. That's exciting to me. And I, I, I just got to say my own life, I've been challenged with that. I, I, I uh, it always reminds you of the, you know, that, that two degree rule, which is kind of take what you're already doing and don't just make it about you, make it about them. I, uh, I, I can remember driving up to the gym about a year ago, and I, where I work out, and I reached over, I was grabbing my AirPods to pop in my ears and go work out. And as I reached for him, I, I was grabbing. It was like the Lord just said, "That's not a very organic thing to do, is it?" And you know, go in, put put these on, in my ears, and, and ignore everybody around me. And so, mm. I, I as a pastor, I just got to say, I found my own heart challenged, and, and it's beautiful to see what God does. So, so that's happened for you at a personal level, How, at an organizational level. What has God been doing in your congregation to help you guys continue to have that heart for people in your surrounding area that are lost? It's been a yeah, a great journey. Uh, like I say, we've we've had that always, but always felt slightly frustrated that. Uh, it's there could be more. Mm-hmm. So we about three years ago, um, three four years ago, we we were sitting as a staff team, and we were just going after this question: Well, what are we supposed to do? What's the what's God's call on us as a church now in this age? And we got a big whiteboard out, and we threw up a number on the whiteboard. It was it was half a million, and uh, there's half a million people that live in the Wellington region. Okay. And so we put that number up there, and then I just asked the question, I said, well, how many people do we think would be followers of Jesus um, in the Wellington region? And we put up number 50,000. Now, that's been generous, but yeah, we, we just know that if 50,000 people went to church on a Sunday, there'd be no spare seats sure. in the churches around Wellington. So then we did the math, and we wrote up 450,000. And then we stepped back, and I, I just said to the staff, I said, you know, do you realize there's 450,000 lost people going to hell on our watch? And it was like the Holy Spirit showed up. Mm. And it was just one of those moments where you, it, it, was a, it felt like a holy, sacred moment mm. where you sense the Spirit just simply say, and so what are you going to do about it? And we literally 
sat there in silence for quite some time and then went to the board and I just said, well, what's 1% of 450,000? Of, yeah, 450, and we said, well, that's 4,500 people. I said, well, what would it look like if we as one church in this region took responsibility to reach 1% of the population with the gospel to see those people baptised in the next five years? And so we wrote it up. We said, well, 4,500 people in five years baptised. And then before we got too um, panicked and overwhelmed by that, we thought, well, let's do a bit more mass because there's about 1,500 adults that would be part of the street church. And so, again, we did the mass and we divided it and we realised that that was three people each. It's not quite as big as it seems. It's not. And then you start to look at this, and I, I looked in my own life, and of course this was that whole thing of I was you know, leading out of what I was living, and I thought, well, I'm seeing God changing me, and I've now got people in my life who I could, by faith, conceivably see that in this next season of time, it's entirely possible that God could use me to, to, to see them reach with the gospel and to celebrate that through baptism. Well, if me, then why not everybody? And if everybody caught that vision... Actually, that would be possible, and so we then so we then began to say, well, why not? <laughs> so we 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 thought let's let's go for it. Right, that's awesome. I mean, and that's where you know, you, you, do we really believe the things that the Bible says about us? I mean, do we really believe that we are not just like a club? You know, mm-hmm. we're not just like another group of people who, with a mission statement, that are organizationally trying to pursue something. We, do we actually believe that the Spirit of God mm-hmm. is alive in us, working in us, working through us? That the message we proclaim is uh, it has the power. It's a power of God unto salvation, right? I mean, and that's not just the message you get to proclaim from a pulpit. It's the message every real Christian carries in their heart. I mean, do we believe these mm-hmm. things that God says about us? If we did, we might have a little more vision. And that, that was the challenge, eh? Because not only did we firstly get caught by that as a leadership, but then said, how do we translate that? Yeah. How do, how do you make it uncomfortable for the church? So we, <laughs> so we, and yeah, there's a whole bunch of ways you do that. It's your classic leadership challenge of how do, sure. you, how do you make now feel really uncomfortable so you can actually get people to there? So I found this great story, actually, of a um, lady uh, she's here in, in America, which is where we're recording this now. She worked out it was cheaper to uh, buy a 365-day ticket on a cruise ship than it was to go into a retirement village. And uh, there's this story being written about her. Her name escapes me at the moment. But she tells the story of how she was in this cruise ship for 365 days. And she said it was absolutely brilliant because they provided everything I needed. If the light bulb needed to be changed, it was changed. Uh, I like ballroom dancing, and they provided that on the tours. In fact, she said, you know, when one cruise line company stopped their ballroom dancing, next um, um, port, she jumped onto another cruise ship. And, uh, you know, they were just providing all these things for her. And she said, you know, it's so wonderful on this cruise ship, I don't think I'd ever go back to dry ground. And I I actually told that story to the church, and I said, you know, church, I... I'm a bit scared that as churches we're a bit like a cruise ship. And 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 then I say, you know, if we're going after this, we're going to be fishing boats. And they're smelly and they're small and they're, you know, everybody's involved. And, yeah, I mean, the Lord used that. And, um, that is incredible. We're, we're starting to see people talk about, man, we don't want to be a cruise ship. We've got to be a fishing boat. And, and we're starting to see people get it. And that, and also, you know, we've been doing um, the organic outreach. We've just been filtering it down through the ministries and things like that. And, and I, you know, a, a great story out of this. Um, uh, 
there was a we were doing this thing over Halloween. Um, I think you guys do it in the states way bigger than we do in New Zealand, but it's in New Zealand. And so we were running this party where we'd we'd provide a safe place for Christian families to bring their kids. Um, and so we'd deck our entire church auditorium out, sure. and uh, they'd come along, and that that bring some friends. Yeah. And it was great, and we were celebrating, you know, hundreds of kids coming to this thing on Halloween. Well, after we'd talked the whole cruise ship versus fishing boat thing, and we'd talked about we need to get into our communities, we canned it. And we said, um, we said you know what, <laughs> we think it would be better to do this in the communities. And so we said wow. to our life groups, well, why don't you do something in your street? And so we all of a sudden had life groups opening up their garage and putting barbecues on in their streets and that sort of stuff. And we went around and tallied it up. We reckon on the first year doing that, we touched more people in the community than we did when we brought this massive thing together oh, inside the church amazing. building. Well, and it's it, you know that that is just that is where it's at. It's it's how because I mean the uh, Sherry. We were both had a chance to hear Sherry Harney talk earlier today about. You know, the, the, out of the salt shaker. You know, he he wants to sprinkle us out yeah. there, right? Not yep. just gather us all together. Yeah, that's beautiful, and that's the two degree rule yep. at work. You yep. know, how do you take it? And it's not just about us. Yeah, uh, it's about it's it's about reaching out. Do something we're doing. Only do it to reach out. That's beautiful. Mm. Now that was three years ago, right? You said mm. when you started. Really, that's this. Yep. This was zeroing in for you guys. And now you have um, so so this it, you can some amazing examples, some great stories of the, some things you're doing. But you've actually taken a huge organizational step forward in terms of how we're going to reach people, um, and that was going uh, to, to becoming a multi-site church. Can you talk just to wh- why did you do it? I mean, in America right now, everybody wants to do multi-site. My church is talking about doing multi-site. You know, it's like you know. Let's get my face on ten screens around the around the region, you know that kind of stuff. That in, in a lot of places, multi that's what multi site is reduced down to. Well, it's what everybody's doing. It's what you have to do if you want to grow. It's what you do to get your face on fifteen screens. I'm joking. It's not that bad. But like, why did you do it, and how does it how does it organically relate to yeah. what you're talking about for the vision of your church? Yeah, I reckon we're. Um we're about eight months into it, okay. and um, so, from where I'm new. sitting right now, it's probably the dumbest idea ever. But uh, <laughs> no, seriously, it's 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 stretching us. Um, so Wellington has has got a number of different regions and areas, and um, we're right in the centre of the main city, and, and people come there. So we're effectively a regional church. Um, if we're going after four and a half thousand new people, one they just won't fit in our current facility. So that that's the first thing. So yep. we knew we had trouble anyway. Um, we're running, been running three services on a Sunday, uh, so that's yep. that's just the realities of what we had. So we had to solve the space issue and provide room to grow anyway. Um, what we were beginning to hear was that people were more and more interested in connecting into their local community, and there's just not a sense of that. And I think that's something in our modern age. We're also connected to our iPads and our iPhones and our media and our garage door openers that we don't actually know our neighbours. Yeah. So there is this underscoring um, heart cry for community. And we were finding that when people were befriending a neighbour and wanted to invite that neighbour to church, they're quite happy to drive 30, 40 minutes to come to church, but the neighbour isn't. Right. And so therefore we needed to scatter 
And so we looked at this and thought, we can't expect people who don't know Christ to travel a great distance to come to meet him. We've got to go to where they are. Right. Which, again, is a bit like the fishing boat deal. It's like, let's go where the fish are, as opposed to let's um, stay in our one cruise ship and expect people to come to us. And if you have excited people who want to reach their neighbors. That's right. They'll do that, and so and you know we're starting to to feel that and see that where they'll say, you know what, um, wouldn't it be great if we had a location um, here because we could invite our neighbours. That's awesome. And so the first one that we have planted um, is where our Christians Against Poverty ministry was primarily based. Okay. And 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 Simon and Jenny Gill, uh, they ended up moving into that area. It's the peninsula area, the Miramar Peninsula area. It's out by the airport. And uh, there's about 20,000 people that live out there. And so they lived there for about 12 months, and they had a real heart and a real stirring of the Spirit that they just wanted to be a part of that place. There were about eight life groups that were um, based out in that area from from the street. And so over a a 12-month period, we just went through this whole journey of saying, what would this look like and could we do this? And uh, in February this year, we launched our fourth service, uh, which is out in Miramar. Now, we actually, we teach live in all of our services, so so we don't video beam in, um, (laughs) and uh, we're, we're just going after the... It, it needs to look and feel and act um, like it's a church in its own right, but have the horsepower of, of the central support and behind it so they don't have the overheads that you'd have if you were doing a pure church right. plant. Yeah, that's exciting. That's that's very exciting. And yeah. it flows out of – I mean, I, I look back at your story, and it flows, it, you know, it flows out of you leading what you're living, what you're living, which is, is your heart for outreach, a church's heart for outreach. And then the vision for organic outreach is that you get your people wanting to reach out. And the natural overflow is, hey, my neighbors aren't going to drive 45 minutes to come to church. We need a church near us. That's beautiful. I love it. it. I love ha- I love hearing what happens <laughs> when the Lord ignites a, a passion for outreach. So um, last question, how can we be praying for the street? Well, yeah, in the great words of some leaders who've gone before me, just pray we don't stuff it up. Um, <laughs> I think there's it's a it's a battle, and uh, you sense that. And you know, again, Kevin's often talked about this in organic outreach. You know, this is the battle. It's the battle for reaching people. It's a matter of keeping the gospel central, keeping love for Jesus there, keeping unity in the church, and uh, and just going where the Holy Spirit leads us. Wow. And I I just I look at it every week. You you think, man, this is this is tough. And yeah. so just prayer for strength and wisdom and that, yeah, that we would do what God calls us to do. Because Amen. wouldn't it be amazing as a leader of a church and as leaders of churches to be able to sit back at the end of our run and just like Paul say, we've run the race. Yeah, yeah we've, we've done what he called us to do. And <laughs> I don't want to do anything more. Um, I don't want to do anything less. Amen. Um, so if we can be faithful and just do what he calls us to do. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Thanks, Nick. Uh, We will be praying that for you, brother. God bless you. So what makes your setting unique? How will you build bridges for communicating the good news? I really hope this episode inspired you to do that. I want to also encourage you, help us get the word out by joining the Organic Outreach Media Squad. All you have to do is send an email to info at organicoutreach.org and let us know that you want to join the team. If you do, we'll send you one of our newly minted Organic Outreach Media Squad mugs. 
Just imagine how jealous your friends are going to be when they see you sipping your favorite beverage in one of these babies. I think you want to do it. Well, for now, (laughs) this is Adam Barr reminding you, make time to share God's life today.